Praise God, we're holding on. We're holding on. I hope you can hear me clearly this morning. Uh, thank God for for another morning that we have to um, to uh, come before God um, and to hear His Word. And I pray that you are encouraged this morning and that you're blessed uh, through the Word of God this morning. I encourage you to have your Bibles with you this morning. Uh, we're going to go through and we're going to do a little bit of a journey through the book of Mark. Um, and so I encourage you to have your, your Bibles with you as we as we do that. So let's uh, let's um, uh, pray this morning. Uh, let's ask the Lord's blessing, uh, the Lord's blessing on His Word, uh, and let's pray for our leaders um, as well. So join me, join me as we pray this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to come before Your Word um, and to hear Your Word this morning, Lord. Father, encourage those that are feeling it at the moment. Encourage those who might be just over the whole thing, Lord. Encourage those who might be feeling really down and really flat because this thing just doesn't seem to go away. Encourage those who are feeling lonely, Lord. Encourage those who are feeling broken, Lord. And Father, help us. Help us to join together as a body of believers uh, to encourage each other and, and to be strengthened in your, in your word and by your spirit. So Father, help us as a church. Help us to look out for one another, to care for one another, and to be kind to one another as you would be to us, Lord. And we pray your blessing upon your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to look at uh, the, the, a little bit about a little bit in the Gospel of Mark, and I want to look at two words, two very, very famous words that Jesus spoke, two words that have changed millions of lives over generations, two words that I believe have changed your life and definitely have changed my life. Two words that will continue to change lives and radically, radically change them for the good. Two words that Jesus spoke, and that's all he kind of needed to speak, and it transformed lives for good, and we're going to see it in the Scriptures today. And those two words are simple. Follow me. Follow me. Um, just, just wrap your head around that for a moment. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe, the God of creation came down in the form of man and he said this, follow me. Lord, what does that look like? What does that mean? Follow me. What direction are we going in, Lord? What is it going to cost me, Lord? How is it going to look, Lord? And he just says, follow me. And, and this is, this is in, in intense or, or deep trust that we have to have. And that when we hear the voice of Jesus say, follow me, we say, Lord, I'll follow you. I will follow you. And this is trust. And when we look at the people in the scriptures, we see this intrinsic trust, this trust that comes out and says to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, if you said, follow me, I will follow you. Lord, I don't know where it's going. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to follow you because you've asked me to do this. And when we can come to a place and we say to Jesus, yes, Lord, I will follow you, then we are in the place that God wants us to be. Because by nature, we don't want to follow anyone. By nature, we, all want, we want to do what we want to do. But Jesus says the two words that have changed and transformed millions of lives throughout all generations, he says, follow me. I can think of other two words. I can think um, of, of other pairs of words that will help describe the same thing. I can say things like, no compromise. Follow me is no compromise. Uh, follow me is have a, a solid commitment. Whatever two words you want to put together for yourself that will help you understand this concept of follow me, say it. No compromise, solid commitment. You can say the word only Jesus. 
<laughs> Only Jesus is another way of describing, follow me. You, you can think of words, two words that will help you understand this concept of follow me. But I know when we follow Jesus, Jesus calls us to a life of no compromise. Jesus calls us to a life where there is solid commitment to him. That nothing makes us move to the left or to the right. This is when Jesus says, follow me. And I'm going to ask you this morning to, to reflect and to think on something very, very significant. That in your pursuit of following Him, is it a solid commitment? In your pursuit of following Him, is there any compromise in your choice to follow Him? Is it only Jesus or is, it, is there a little bit of something else going on in your pursuit to follow Him? Because brothers and sisters, I'm telling you something. If you're a Christian who has decided to follow Him, the Christian commitment to follow Jesus must not have any compromise and it must be solid in its commitment. Now usually, usually we know when we're compromising. Usually. Usually we know when we're compromising. But sometimes, sometimes we're unaware. And I'm going to talk about those times a little bit later this morning. But sometimes we're unaware. But it's really important that if this morning God reveals to you, no, there is some compromise in your choice to follow Jesus or your commitment to Him isn't solid, it's somehow wavering in your decisions for Him, then you must, I ask you, I plead with you, I encourage you, you must reconsider what you're doing. Because this is not the Christian life. The Christian life isn't a blend between what you want and what God wants. The Christian life isn't a blend between your opinion and the Word of God. The Christian life is only Jesus. You must follow him and follow in his footsteps in the way that he wants us to go. So this morning I ask you to reflect and to consider, is it only Jesus for you? Do you follow him? As the world gets darker, as the world gets darker, brothers and sisters, we must be brighter. We must hold on to that thing which is light. We must do that and we must hold tighter and we must be brighter as this world gets darker because it's so important that as this world begins to, to, to reshape how life should be, the Christian mustn't mold itself in, into its reshaping. The Christian must remain faithful to the Word of God. We must stand firm and be brighter and hold tighter to the light of God. The other day I had to go up into my roof because I had to fix some tiles and it was getting dark in the day. I had to get up into the man, through the manhole into my, my roof and to fix these tiles. And as I was doing that, the day was getting, the, the night was creeping in and it was getting darker and darker. And I, all I took up was this little torch that I thought to myself, this torch, yeah, it's a pretty good torch. But, then, but I didn't realize that when I got up there, this torch was pretty flimsy torch. Like whether the batteries were fading, or I'm not sure, but it really wasn't giving me a light the way I would love to have had light to, to have been shining. But as the, as the night progressed and as it got darker, this torch would have become less and less effective because what is it going to do? What I needed was something bright, something that was going to shine even brighter as it became darker. It's the same with the, with the life of the Christian brothers and sisters. As this world gets darker, if you choose to compromise, you're like a fading battery. What is it? You're going to fade with the world to the point where, where is your light? Where is your light? Oh, yeah, you might, every now and again, there might be a glimpse of it. But what is that? 
in the big scheme of things? Is that what God's called us to, to be a glimpse of light? Or has he called us to be a floodlight to this world? Brothers and sisters, we must be a floodlight to this world because it's incredibly dark that it's becoming. And I encourage you to, to not be a people who, who choose a way of compromise, who, not, who do not choose an easy way, who do not pick and choose when you do things, but rather be a people who follow Jesus. Children, think about it for a moment. I want to speak to our, our Sunday school children here for a moment. Children, are you the same person when your mum is watching and when she's not watching? Are you the same person when your dad is watching and when your dad is not watching? If your dad is in the room and your dad is not in the room, are you the same person? Do you change your behavior depending on if your parent is in the room? Are you the same person if your teacher is watching or your teacher is not watching? Are you the same person? Are you the same student whether your teacher is in the room or outside the room? Do you need your teacher to be watching you to be a good person? Or are you, are you trying to do the right thing whether your teacher is in the room or outside the room? See, when you are a different person, when they are in the room, this is compromise. This is shortcuts. This is a glimpse of light. This is not a floodlight. This is, this is, this is not a solid commitment. But God is calling us to, to follow Jesus. It's only Jesus. And Jesus says, follow me. And our call this morning is to follow him because the world is getting darker. Imagine a world, brothers and sisters, Imagine a world that loves themselves. Imagine a world that loves money. Imagine a world that's proud. Imagine a world that's unthankful, unforgiving. Imagine a world that has no self-control. A world that has an outward, an outward form of godliness, but that has no power from within. They look good outwardly, noble, righteous, outward. But deep down, there is no power to do what Jesus did. Imagine a world that has itching ears. What they're looking for is, is things that want to please them and what, they have to, what, what they're hearing. And so they wander through church after church after church after church until they nail the church that they like because the church is telling them what they want to hear, not what Jesus wants to tell them. Imagine the people like that. Imagine a generation like that. You know, someone once, sensed that, someone once said that compromise is changing the question in order to fit the answer. You see, you don't go around with itching ears wanting to find the answer you're looking for. You must go around with an open heart ready to hear the answer God wants to give you. So imagine a, world like, imagine a world like this. And brothers and sisters, can I suggest that we live in this world today? We live in this world today. We live in a world like the Song of Solomon says, allow little foxes to come in and spoil the vine. Did you know that? Song of Solomon says that. The little foxes come in and they spoil the vine. Oh, but they're little foxes. They're cute. They can't do much harm. Let them in. We'll play with them. You know, we'll dabble around. We'll let them hang around with us. But they're spoiling the vine. They're ruining the garden. They're destroying your soul. And the Bible says the little foxes, though they be cute and, seem and don't seem harmful, they are destroying your vine. They are destroying the planting of the Lord. And so the Bible says, don't, uh, sorry, so the Bible warns us of these little foxes that spoil the vine. We are called to live for Jesus, beloved. And Jesus says, follow me.
And in this, he gives us rights. And in this, he gives us responsibilities. And I reckon the world has given us um, a, a, a mixed view or maybe perhaps an upside down view of rights and responsibilities. I think the world has given us a transactional view of rights and responsibilities. The world says, oh, because you have these rights, well, you need to be responsible. And it's almost this, this idea of what a transaction between rights and responsibility. But it's not the case, I believe, beloved, with, with the Christian faith. You know, the world will say, you know what? I gave you this job. I gave you good conditions. I gave you a good pay. Well, now you need to work for me well. That's a very, that's a very transactional approach to rights and responsibilities. I don't believe that's the case in the Christian faith, beloved. I don't believe we say, oh, because God did this for me, I better do this for him. They don't do that as a Christian. Christian beloved. If that's your mentality as a Christian, I want to encourage you this morning to rethink it. I want to encourage you to th rethink when you say, oh, I better do this for God because he did this for me. Sure, we live out of gratitude. We live out of, we live out of gratefulness. We live out of appreciation to God. I'm, I'm not discounting that. But, but this whole thing about rights and responsibilities goes far deeper, beloved. Listen carefully. We have rights because he loved us. Yeah? We have the right of peace because He loved us. We have the right to forgiveness because He loved us. We have the right to eternal life because He loved us. And do you know why we're responsible? Do you know why we take up responsibility? Do you know why we become responsible Christians? Because we love Him. Because we love Him, we follow Him. Because we love Him, we obey Him. Because we love Him, we keep His commandments. So we have rights because He loved us. And we're responsible because we love Him. None of this transactional stuff, it's relational. It's us and God. It's God and me, me and God. And because of this deep and immense love for one another, God keeps pouring out our rights and we keep pouring out our responsibility. That is how I want to live my Christian life, brothers and sisters. Follow Him. Follow Him in every step that he wants me to go. So what does it look like? What does it look like? Beloved, Jesus said to follow him. He didn't say follow man. He didn't say go and follow a church. He didn't say follow your feelings. He didn't say follow your heart. Oh, I'm just going to follow my heart because my heart feels like this. No, he says follow me. He didn't say follow your emotions. He said follow me. But in all this, he never discounts the responsibility to follow authorities because we are called to follow authorities as well. As long as they do not take away the things of God, we are called to follow authorities. But he's asked us to follow him. Even Jesus followed authorities. Even Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. Even Jesus saw himself in authority to one, the Father in heaven. Even Jesus paid taxes and said, let's render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Even Jesus took upon himself the need to listen to authorities, but his obedience first was to his Father. Yes, we obey God first. And yes, there are authorities that we obey. A child doesn't say, I've got to follow God, therefore I'm going to disobey my parents. That's crazy. You know, that's crazy. A church member doesn't say, I've got to follow God and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to disobey the elders or, or a government. I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to disobey my government. No, only when the authorities are telling you to disobey God, yes, you are free to obey God. But first we obey God. We follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. And we put him above all things, uh, our first and foremost 
greatest desire to obey. So we're going to go through and look at some verses in the book of Mark. Um, and just look at some of these, some of these treasures in, in, in the Gospel of Mark. And I don't know about you, but I, I think most people, when they were children, when they were children, people like treasure hunts. I think children like treasure hunts. Yeah, I, I don't know. When you're a child, did you like treasure hunts? I mean, sometimes at Easter time, there's a there's the tre- the Easter egg hunts, and you you know you put Easter eggs everywhere, and kids go around looking for them, or other forms of treasure hunts. I mean, you know, um, people kids generally love treasure hunts, and there's always that one or two children who seem to come back with the most. <laughs> Maybe they're very good at treasure hunts. I don't know. Maybe you're one of them who's very good at treasure hunts. You know, but they, there's always seems to be one or two that seems to find a million, and, and there's someone else who finds one. You know, then you do the whole, you do the whole sharing thing. But, but you know, this, there's this, the treasure hunts. It's, it's a, it's a great thing. Today, I want, I want to go through, and I want to, I want to point out the treasures for you. I want to point out the treasures for you this, this morning. And if you're a, a Sunday school child, uh, then I want you to, to read with me. I want you to read with me and, and f- find these treasures with me. Find these treasures with me through the Gospel of Mark. And the first one is found, and I'm just going to briefly go through these with you because just to give you a snapshot of when Jesus uh, required us to follow him. Uh, The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Jesus comes along and meets some fishermen. They're doing their thing. They're being fishermen. They went out in the day and they went out to catch fish. They did what they knew what to do. But I wonder... We don't, we're, not, we're not told, but I wonder, what were these men thinking? You know, were they, were they tired of routine? Were they tired of the same thing all the time? Were they discontents going about just being fishermen? You know, what, what was it? What, were they, as they were fishing, were they thinking to themselves, surely there's more to life than just catching fish? I'm sure you've thought similar things. Maybe these men were thinking similar things. But nonetheless, Jesus spots them and he knows they are to be his disciples. They are called to be his followers. And we pick it up from verse 16. And as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew. um, And Andrew's brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. It's fantastic. I don't know what these men were experiencing. I don't know what they were feeling. But Jesus spots them out and he says, follow me. Follow me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to transform the way you live. I'm going to break the routine of life. I'm going to break perhaps the discontentment of life. I'm going to break the questions of life. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to elevate your purpose in life far greater than you ever imagined. Because the call of Jesus is far greater than you can ever imagine. Oh, people who say, oh, the call of Jesus, it's, you know, you just, you know, it's just life doing, always being good, always doing the right thing haven't understood Christianity. Believe me, brothers and sisters, when you follow Jesus, it's not about doing the right thing all the time. It is a life that is far more elevated than you can ever imagine. The doors open for you far greater than you can ever imagine. And he says, follow me. And they got up and they followed. I find it quite fascinating. The Bible says they immediately left their nets and followed him. There wasn't no sense of, hmm, okay, let me think, what's in it for me here? 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe it could be. No, they mean the call of Jesus was so strong that they got up immediately and they followed him. This was the call of Jesus in their life. Now, you can't sense that they were any better than anyone else. They couldn't come to Jesus and say, Oh, Jesus must have seen how good I was. No, because Jesus spotted them and he wanted them. And so you can't think we can't think of ourselves somehow to be have been better than our, our brother in the flesh or our sister in the flesh or our parents, because God has called us out of the goodness and the grace and the love that he has for us. We have rights because he loved us. Go with me to the next treasure. I'll tell you where the next treasure is. Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, there's a similar story. This time, it's not fishermen, but it's poor Levi or Matthew. You know, Matthew, poor guy, he probably started off well as a tax collector. He probably had all the right, the good intentions. He probably thought to himself, maybe I can earn a bit of money for myself, and maybe I can even help out the Jews a little bit, because he was a Jew himself. Uh, maybe that's how he started, but his heart started to get corrupt and hardened and all of a sudden he saw wealth as an opportunity and he saw his fellow Jew as maybe a, a, an inconvenience. And so as time went on, maybe his heart became harder and he got to the point where perhaps he started to feel quite lonely. He had burnt all these bridges. People didn't want to socialize with him anymore because he himself had, had reflected something they didn't like. And all of a sudden he's in this place working and Jesus spots him. And in chapter 2, verse 14, uh, chapter verse 13, the Bible says, And then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, or Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. Can you imagine what was going through Jesus' mind? Matthew, you've got no idea, mate. You've got no idea. You're thinking life is about just taxes and wealth and money. And I see what you've done and perhaps I've seen that you've burnt your bridges and you're feeling incredibly lonely. But I've got a life for you that's going to blow your mind. Come follow me. And perhaps the eyes of Jesus fixing the eyes of Matthew, that Matthew would look at the eyes of Jesus and have thought, I can't resist this guy. And he comes and the Bible says, so he arose and he followed him again immediately. There was no resistance. The call and the love of Jesus caused him to follow him. And again, he was given rights because he was loved. Let's go to another treasure. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And if you're flicking through your Bibles, children, if you go to chapter 8, just go to verse 35. Uh, verse 34, sorry. You probably know this. You've probably learned this in Sunday school before. And the Bible says in chapter 8, verse 34, the Bible says, When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Again, very powerful words that have changed millions of people over generations. Perhaps by this time of his ministry, people were starting to desire to follow Jesus. Perhaps they'd seen enough, witnessed enough, heard enough, seen miracles happen and thought, oh, maybe this is a good thing. So maybe there are people who were beginning to desire to follow Jesus. But he said this to them, if anyone desires to follow me, because desire can be 
um, filled with problems. Desire can be filled with compromise. But if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Wow. You're going to lose your life. It's not going to be Barry who lives anymore. It's not going to be your opinion anymore. Your choice anymore. Your interest anymore. But everything is going to be centered around what the Lord wants for you. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Barry's going to have to die. Die to himself. Die to his wishes. Die to his feelings. Die to those things that are going to get in the way of following Jesus. It doesn't mean not having feelings or having feelings that cause problems, but not allowing them to get in the way of my walk with Jesus. Yes, accepting them and acknowledging them, but persisting in the footsteps of Christ. And he says, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Wow. Then all of a sudden, it's no longer the easy way anymore. It's the way of the cross. I no longer live, but he lives in me. I now die to myself that he may live through me. So that what people see is Jesus and not my old man and anything that's attached to my old man. Those of you that are familiar with the story Pilgrim's Progress is a beautiful story of how an illustration of how a, a man called Christian wanders through the life that we all experience only to face different obstacles and trials and, and blessings along the way. And it's an interesting read. And you can get, you know, you can get children's versions, you can get the adult, ver the original version. That's on some video, all that sort of thing. But there's one part in this where, where Pilgrim is walking, sorry, Christian is walking. And the path underneath them is becoming rough and sore for their feet. Ever experienced things like that? It's no longer easy. It's getting tough. The trials are hard. You're feeling it. It's sore. Your feet are sore of walking. And, and Christian feels this. He feels his feet are sore along the path. And then he sees this style, this, this group of stairs that, that go over perhaps to another path, over the fence. And he goes up and he steps up and he looks and he sees that the other path on the other side is easy. Whoa, it's, you know what, they're going in the same direction. You know, it's not like this path is taking me this way. They're both going in the same direction. Surely it should be okay. So he convinces his friend and they go over and they begin along the easy way. Only to find that I think by memory they meet a guy called Vain Confidence. They get themselves into a bit of bother. I think vain confidence is killed. They end up in a storm and then eventually taken by the giant of great despair. They find themselves with problem after problem after problem because they chose an easy way. Beloved, listen, the easy way may appear to be easy for a season, but it is not the right way. And it's only going to cause you more and more spiritual damage. Follow me, he says. The easy way always seems to be the right way initially. It's like the taming of tongue. How much easier for you, for you to say this? Oh, I'll just say what I have to say. I'm just going to get it off my chest. I'm going to tell them the way I think I should tell them. And the tongue is no longer tamed. I'm going to post what I want to post. Whatever I want to say, I'm going to post it because I've got the right to speak what I want to speak. And all of a sudden, we don't learn how to tame the tongue. And yes, there are times we need to share. 
And yes, there are times we need to be open. And yes, there are times we need to be vulnerable. But I tell you, there are many times we need to just zip it. But it's the easy way. It's the easy way. But Jesus says, follow me. Speak when you need to speak. Speak what is going to be helpful, for example. He says, come. If you desire, take up your cross and follow me. Let's go to another treasure. Mark chapter 10. If you go a couple of chapters forward in Mark chapter 10, and you'll see in verse 21, another time that Jesus speaks like this. And he's just been speaking to, remember the rich ruler? Remember the man who said to Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments, don't steal, don't commit adultery, uh, love your mother and your father. And, he, and then what's his response to Jesus? It's quite fascinating. What's his response to Jesus? He says, I've done all these things since I was young. I'm a good man. The Bible says in verse 21, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. And <laughs> it's like, come on, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's get to the root of the issue. Let's get to the heart of the matter. One thing you lack. Sell all, whatever you have, and give to the poor. And perhaps what Jesus is saying to this man is, I know what you're attached to. I know what you are going to hold on to and that's going to prevent you from following me. I know. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come, take up your cross and follow me. Wow. Now, now this man had a choice. Was he going to follow him with his own compromise? Was he going to follow him with his own version of following Jesus? You know, shortcuts here and there, his own little kind of opinions, his own sort of attachments to life? Or was he going to follow him and give up everything to follow Jesus? But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know, in some ways, I, I commend this man. I commend this man because at least he was honest. At least he was prepared to say, I can't do it. But how many people fall into a trap of thinking to themselves, I'm following him, but have all these attachments and justify them as Christian. Let's go to another treasure, Mark chapter 10, but this time a bit further down, verse 28 to 31. Then Peter said to him, See, we've left all and followed you. That's really honest of Peter. Lord, we've left everything to follow you. <laughs> Lord, we've, we've done what you've asked us to do. So I feel now Jesus is saying, I know Peter. I know Peter. And like he's saying to you and to me, I know you have. So let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Because there are many who can't do this, but you have. So let me encourage you with this word. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I'm telling you the truth. I say to you, there is no one who has left house 
or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children and lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions it's going to be tough but you're going to have all this now on this earth and in the age to come eternal life wow let me encourage you peter if you've left all these things you get an abundance on this earth and with persecutions and eternal life but come follow me follow me god's not going to rip you off these people who think god's going to rip them off god's not going to rip you off god's not a god who's ripping you off god's a generous god it's like eve eve was convinced by the devil that she was going to be ripped or that she'd been ripped off from god oh god he doesn't want you to do it because you'll know you'll be like gods you know he's ripping you off you follow god and somehow you're going to miss out on things it's the classic fomo that the devil was doing right from the beginning People think, oh, FOMO, it's a new concept. No, the devil was doing it to Eve right from the start. God doesn't rip us off. God blesses us. We have rights because he loves us. And so here is God doing this. This is Jesus doing this. And he's asking us, he's asking us to follow him. And this idea of following Jesus is so open-ended, brothers and sisters. It's so open-ended. You don't know where it's going. You don't know where it's leading. It could be anything. It could be someone saying to me, you know what? I need to follow God. And so because I need to follow Jesus, I'm going to forgive this person who, who really shouldn't be forgiven. You say, and you say, okay, if you want to forgive this person, forgive this person. But you do this because you're following Jesus. I can't tell you to what to do and what not to do. It might be like someone saying to me, I need to follow God, I'm going to follow God, and therefore I need to go to the poorest parts of Australia and help the homeless. Well, if that's why you want to follow God, follow God. You know, or someone saying to me, I'm, I'm so convinced I've got to follow Jesus, he's calling me to the poorest parts of the world to feed the hungry. Well, I can't tell you don't go, if that's where God is telling you to go. It's amazing, you know, like the world says that the, 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 the world is your oyster. That's the, that's the Christian faith. You can't put a limit to where Jesus is going to take you. You can't put a limit to how Jesus wants to use you. If you need to go and show mercy to someone and when other people can't show mercy to them, then go. You can't put a limit. This is the best career path you can give any young person. Hey, listen, follow Jesus and you're going to be blown away about the path he's going to lead you on. There's going to be unimaginable paths for you to be on. Paths that are going to blow your mind away. Just follow him. But I tell you the truth, what you will see all the time is consistency with the scriptures and with the character of Christ. That wherever anyone goes and whatever anyone does, you will see, young or old, that it is consistent with the scriptures and it is consistent with the character of Christ. But go, <laughs> go wherever God's leading you, go. But let it be consistent and do whatever God's telling you to do. But let it be consistent with the scriptures and with the character of Christ. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. That is, that is Christianity. That is follow me. That is responsibilities because we love him. It's like when I, my kids were little. 
We'd go to the beach. Remember those days you could go to the beach? We'd go to the beach and we used to play a game. And I used to like playing this game with my kids. I'd walk on the sand when it was like kind of flat. I'd walk on the sand and I would say to them, you have to follow my footsteps. And so they would walk in my footsteps after me. And I'd walk and they'd walk and I'd walk and they'd walk. And sometimes I'd make it a bit tricky and I'd go around in a circle and then I'd go around two circles and I'd try and make it tricky. But what did they do? Boy, they were committed, man. They walked in those steps and if I went around, they went around. And if I went this way, they went this way because they were following the request to walk in my steps. Do you think in their minds they, th they thought to themselves, my dad is going to take me somewhere dangerous? Do you think, oh, if I keep following in my steps, he's going to take us off the cliff? Of course not. Every step they took, they knew they were safe. Every step they took, they knew it was good, it was for good. And every step they took, they knew they were still close to me. It is no different, beloved, with the things of Jesus. Every step you take in the footsteps of Jesus will only do you good and not harm. Trust Him. Take up that responsibility because you love Him. Now I want to start to wind this up. But I want to highlight there are many things that are very risky, temptations that can take us away from following Jesus and following in these steps. But I want to highlight two things that are incredibly dangerous. And I plead with you this morning, if not today, throughout the week or throughout the weeks to come, that you reflect on this. And maybe one day we can unpack these more in a sermon or in a message or in a study. But there are two things that are particularly dangerous. Because sometimes these things, you know them, and sometimes you don't know them. And they are these two things. They are hypocrisy and self-righteousness. And hypocrisy is going to ruin your ability to walk with Him. And self-righteousness is going to ruin your ability to walk with Him. So bear with me. Allow me just to share with you some thoughts as we wrap up. Hypocrisy is one of those things that uh, if you look in the scriptures, you'll see that it's the act of doing good. It's, it's like the act of doing good, but in reality, you're not good. But you'll act it. You'll act it. You'll make sure that in the right places and at the right time that you'll act a certain way. You'll use the right Christian language and you'll use the right Christian phrases. You'll act in a righteous way, in a good way, but in reality, you're not good. Because move away from these situations and be tested in a particular way and you don't follow your own advice. And sometimes you know you're doing that and sometimes you don't. It's like Jesus talks about being outwardly clean but inwardly dead bones. It's hypocrisy. It's like trying to do something to make sure you do it only when you're in um, picture, like an actor. In a certain, you're in, you're in scene, and so you act a certain way. But get off, off, off scene, and all of a sudden you're your real self. You get the picture. It's like when you're driving. Have you ever had experience when um, you're driving in a car, uh, and and um, someone someone in front of you is going really slow. You know, slower than expected. Like maybe for example, it's sixty, and they're going forty-five, and you see, and you can't overtake them, and you're sitting there, and you're telling yourself you've got to be patient. Have you ever had that experience before? And you think, what do I do? I can't overtake them. I've got to be patient. What do I do? I can't get angry at them. Even though there's no Christians around, I've got to do the right thing. 
And then what's worse, they're going 45 and then they're getting to a red light, they're getting to an amber light, a green, like a green light, amber light, and they happen to get there in time to cross it, but you get stuck and you're in a hurry. What do you do? Do you say, whoa, what are you doing? Start getting angry and screaming and swearing and shouting because there's no one around. Hey, take up your own advice and more importantly, take up your cross and follow Christ. God hasn't called us to hypocrisy. God has called us to follow him. The other one is self-righteousness. You know, self-righteousness is very, very risky. And, and I think most times people don't know, but it's really important to reflect on this. Self-righteousness is when you think that you are somehow better than what you really are, or you're better than someone else. But really, at the end of the day, your goodness and God's goodness, there's still a gap. Even if it's a small gap or a big gap, your goodness and God's goodness, there's still a problem. But you've interpreted your goodness as somehow better than other people and better than what it is. And so you feel okay about yourself and God is saying you're not where you should be. It's like the people who say, I don't murder, I don't murder, I don't murder. But there's hate in their heart. Or the people who say, I don't steal, I don't, I've never stolen at this time. But there's greed and envy in their heart. And they go around thinking that they're better than what they are and they think they're better than other people, but God says, you're not. It's self-righteous. It's like the man who says, oh, thank you, God. I'm not like this man. I'm not like this man. I'm not like this man. And the other man beats his chest and says, God, forgive me. Be merciful to me, a sinner. The Bible says in Proverbs 30, there are those who are clean in their own eyes, but they are not washed from their filth. Do you understand that? There are those who are clean in their own eyes, Proverbs 30, but they are not washed from their filth. I'm a good man. I do good things. I read my Bible. I go to church. I say my prayers. But there is a sin or sins that they can't overcome. But they are constantly giving in and accepting of these things that God does not want. And yet they think themselves to be better than other people because their outward goodness is somehow better than other people's in their own mind. And there's still this gap between their goodness and God's goodness. Brothers and sisters, please be aware. Be careful. I plead with you. Do not let hypocrisy and do not let self-righteousness creep in. But rather follow him. Follow him. And when we do that, Wow, the promise is that God orders our steps. Do you know that? In all this, this is wonderful. God orders our steps. Do you remember Jesus said to Peter when the disciples were being discouraged and he said to them, and there were many other disciples who were walking away because the truth of Jesus was piercing their hearts. And Peter, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, are you going to go as well? Are you going to walk away? Or are you going to stay following me? Peter says, where am I going to go, Lord? You have the words to eternal life. God orders our steps if we choose to follow him. The Bible says in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he, God, delights in his way. Isn't that beautiful? That when you make a decision to, to strip yourself from all the attachments of life that drag you away from God, I'm not talking about interests, I'm not talking about careers, I'm not talking about pursuits, I'm talking about all the things that strip you away from God. 
I'm not talking about hobbies. I'm not talking about those sorts of things. Those things that rob you from righteousness. When you decide to do that and you follow Jesus, the Bible says He delights in your way. In fact, the Bible says He orders He orders the steps of a good man. That's <laughs> beautiful, isn't it? God, you've got this. Praise the Lord. The Bible also says in Psalm 119, direct my steps by your word. Yeah, that's, that's our guide. That's our compass. Direct your steps, my steps by your word, and let no sin or iniquity have dominion over me. Because the two don't go hand in hand. Lord, if I'm going to walk on your steps, and if I'm going to follow your steps, then the power of sin is going to be crushed. Because the two don't dwell together. I don't indulge in sin and then somehow indulge in, on his path. But the psalmist says, direct my steps by your word and let no sin have dominion over me, have power over me. That's why it's so important, beloved, that we don't turn to the left or right. And you know, this theme goes all the way through to Revelation. And all the way through to Revelation, God's people are spoken about, and this is what it says about them. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Isn't that beautiful? Revelation 14. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Lord, this is where you want me to go? Then I'll follow. This is what you want me to say? Then I'll say it. This is how you want me to walk? Then I'll walk it. This is how you want me to treat my brother or my sister? Then I'll treat them like this. This is what you want me to do in this life? Then I'll do it, Lord God. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And so their life is always consistent with Scripture and with the character of Christ. Now can you see, can you see how two words, follow me, have changed millions of lives? Brothers and sisters, it's very simple. This morning, if there is compromise, if your commitment isn't solid, if it's not only Jesus, but it's a bit about something, other things as well. There's a little bit of dabbling with this and that, this sin, that sin, this little fox, that little fox. And I'm telling you this morning, the only call Jesus has for you is to follow him. And I ask you this morning, I encourage you this morning to be thinking about if your life is nothing other than the decision to follow him, then do that this morning. Make it your purpose, your desire, your commitment, your life to follow Him. And I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that what the Lord does is that He works in your heart, revealing the things in life, whether it be self-righteousness, whether it be hypocrisy, whether it be attachments to other things, that He would do this because of His great love for you, that out of your love for Him, you would do only what is needed to be done and to follow in His steps. So let me pray for you this morning and let's ask the Lord's blessing um, upon us as a fellowship and as um, believers. Lord Jesus, I remember the day where I heard your voice, Lord, not the sound of your voice, but the voice in my heart. I heard very clearly the voice that said, follow me. And Lord, when I put my hand to the plough those years back, I, I don't regret it, Lord. But you have done 
an amazing work in my life and I'm indebted to you. And Lord, I know my life has been at times very, very hard. And I know, Lord God, I haven't always been pleasing to you. But I know, Lord Jesus, you have continued to work and you've continued to move and you've continued by your spirit to shape and transform me more and more into your son. And I pray that you continue to do this by your mercy, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters listening today that if there's any compromise, any self-righteousness, any hypocrisy, any attachment to the sins, the sins of this world, that I pray this morning that you would expose them and set them free. I pray that we are a people that only follow you, Lord. Always before you, Lord. We set our hearts before you, Lord. We set our eyes towards you, Lord. And Lord, we follow your ways. So Father, strengthen us as a church. Strengthen us as your people, that we may glow like a floodlight, Lord, to this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.